standards, set them, don't just follow them. And and for me, it, it is about that. It's it's having that high standard that you want other people to to take forward with you, um, and not just not just settle. If you think that something needs to change, then then make those changes. Hello and welcome back to Series 2 of The Smart Revolution, a podcast dedicated to oral health promotion with a mission to inspire dental hygienists, dental therapists and the dental profession in your career. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist, and the poignant dental professionals I have the pleasure of interviewing this week are Julie Deverick, dental hygienist and current president of the BSDHT, and Annette Matthews, dental therapist and social media coordinator of the BSDHT. I have invited Julie and Annette onto the show due to their existing roles within the British Society of Dental Hygiene and Therapy and all they have to share for you, the listeners, to gain a greater insight into all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes of the society. On today's show, we talk about the ongoing work that the BSDHT are involved in for the profession. We speak about the importance of collaboration within the healthcare team, the campaign First Miles, indemnity, ambassadors, and how an ordinary member can get involved in the work of the BSDHT, and so much more. There are references in this podcast to particular dental professionals who are key figures within the profession, who have been recognised for their outstanding ongoing work in the conversation. This podcast is for all dental hygienists, dental therapists who are interested to learn more about the ongoing work of the BSDHT. You are honestly guaranteed to be invigorated and inspired from this podcast. Through listening to this conversation, I hope you learn, gain inspiration and ideas for furthering your career path, supporting oral health promotion to achieve oral health for all. But just before we get started, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Dentsply Serona. The second series of The Smile Revolution continues to be brought to you by Dentsply Serona, who share a vision of promoting a lifetime of oral health around the world by empowering you hygienists, you dental therapists, dental professionals to drive home that message that prevention is key. I just want to take this opportunity to talk to you about the latest smart practice course by Dentsply Serona. It is honestly far from your average ultrasonic course. Despite extensive education on the ultrasonic, it just offers so much more. This course is designed to support dental hygienists and dental therapists to promote a lifetime of oral health. By ensuring you get the most out of yourself, as the highly skilled dental professional you are and from the technology at your disposal to deliver great care and ultimately move your business forward. So, 
join me on the course. And to find out more and to take advantage of the incredible 50% off subscriber offer, the Smart Practice course will be run at the Densply Serona Academy on the 27th of March, 2020. So visit densplicerona.com forward slash smile revolution and enter promo code smile5 when you book. Good evening, ladies. How are you both? I'm really well, thank you, Victoria. Good, thank you. Thanks so much for agreeing to me on the Smile Revolution podcast recording. Do you know, it is my first recording where I'm actually speaking to two people at the same time. So it's exciting. (laughs) Very exciting. Very exciting. So we've had, we've both just, well, all just been discussing. It's been a bit of a hot day. I think it's the hottest day of the year. Um, Officially, it has been the hottest day of the year, yeah. It's like walking around in front of a hairdryer all day. (laughs) Never mind being in surgery, we're not going to get into that. And for the purpose of this recording, I've turned off my fan, I've closed my window, (laughs) just so I don't get a fly buzzing in. (laughs) So anyway, we just think it's all in the mind, it's really cool around us. Okay, so let's get started with this recording this evening. And predominantly, you know, we want to speak about the British Society of Dental Hygiene and Therapy today and what you are both doing and your roles within the organisation and how the British Society of Dental Hygiene and Therapy are supporting our profession. So, Julie, can I start with you as the president? Yes, okay. Our disclosure for the Smile Revolution podcast recording. Would you say you're a fully empowered hygienist? Well, I believe I am. Um, I, I'm certainly, I think from my, my background and um, everything that I've done prior to this job um, has allowed me to become um, empowered. Um, and certainly in my professional life with, um, whether it's in clinic or representing BSDHT, I believe um, that yes, I am definitely an empowered individual and dental hygienist. And I have to say, Julie, your role throughout your career, through reading your bio, is so interesting. Do you mind just sharing that just with our listeners? Because it's really remarkable. um, I mean, I I don't think it's... um, it's certainly not a secret. I mean, I, I tend to find that wherever I go, I, I seem to at some point mention that I, I joined the army um, and that's where my, my career started. Um, when, I, when I was at college, I was doing A-levels, but unfortunately, I wasn't particularly focused on my A-levels and I was more interested in going into the gym and, and doing that side of it. So in my second year, my mother actually came down to the college and took me out. Um, she didn't discuss it with me. She didn't say anything to anybody. She just came down and said, right, that's it. You're you're not doing anything with your A-levels, so you're going to find something else to do. So then it was like, well, what, what was I going to do? And I needed to do something, and I felt that I needed to do something that meant that I I was able to have a career. I always wanted a career. I always thought it was in the sporting side of it. So um, I then started looking at the military, so Army, Navy and Air Force, and um, I eventually got into the the Army um, as a dental nurse. 
but my focus was always on that progression to become a dental uh, hygienist. Um, so I was very lucky. I joined in 1985 and by 1987, I'd actually completed my dental hygiene course um, and then went on to do 22 years in the military. Um, my last job was in Aldershot in our training establishment. It was a tri-service establishment. So there were um, Army, Navy and Air Force. Um, and I, I was the warrant officer in charge of the training at that time. I, I have to say it was one of the best jobs um, in my career. I absolutely loved it. So that's where I, I then finished in 2007 and then joined civilian life, which was uh, yet another challenge. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure a huge, the variety in your career has led to you feeling empowered. I know you've travelled a lot and, mm. and you've been a tutor and um, you've set up um, dental services and um, I remember you writing or reading in, in Canada, Canada yes. which yeah. I mean, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, the, I mean, that I, I do feel very lucky that the army gave me that um, that training in management, in administration, um, in teaching. So I, I did touch on a lot of different things that if I had qualified as a hygienist outside of the, that, I don't think I would have done. Um, and I think this is part of the issue with a lot of newly qualified now. They, they get to a point where they think, you know, I love doing what I'm doing in clinic. But I need something different. And the army gave me that. I wasn't yeah. just working. I mean, I, I did work five days a week in clinic, but I also had other roles. Um, you know, my, my promotions, you know, my rank allowed me to do other things and gave me some fantastic opportunities. So, yeah, one of them, as, as you said, was um, I went to Canada to set up a dental centre for the, um, the soldiers and the service um, families that were out there. Um, and that that was amazing. I was there for four months, and I had a I had a fantastic time. Did lots of skiing, did lots of sport. That's um, amazing, you know. And I unfortunately had to work in the afternoons. The dentist wow. worked in the mornings, and I worked in the afternoons. So um, I didn't get away from that at all. And I did the practice management side of it. So so yeah, I I dabbled in a little bit of everything. So it it did give me that confidence to go out there and and really show my ability in in what I could do I think yeah the army yeah the army gave me that definitely definitely I was lucky it was definitely I always say it was the um the the best thing that my mother ever did for me was to take me out of college and uh and I went down you know a fantastic path that I've never ever regretted loved it absolutely loved it Mm. Thanks, Mum, right? <laughs> yes, it was, it was. Thanks, Mum, yeah. Oh, and how did you get involved with working with the BSDHT or just being involved with the BSDHT initially? Yeah, well, again, it came when I, uh, in 2001, when I joined the, the training school, Elaine Tilling was heading that at the time, and she was on the BSHT council. She was the military rep. So when she couldn't attend, I used to go along. So I've been involved at council level for, for many, many years. At regional level, it didn't happen until I actually left the military, um, and Southern Regional Group is, is my area. So I, I went along, um, and... It, it was it was actually the AGM. It was a, it was a September and it was their AGM. And so, of course, they were looking for a new committee. Um, and being the person I am, I'm not very good at just sitting still and, and accepting 
other people doing things for me. So I wanted to get involved at that point as well. So um, for five years, I was involved with the regional group doing the trade liaison officer and also again on on council so I and then I took a year out because I did that for five years and I thought you know enough's enough now I need to have a, a bit of a break and I just missed it so much I missed not being involved and then Carol Brennan who was honorary secretary at the time was standing down so I thought that was a great opportunity then to get involved at a, a higher level um, and that's all it was it was to just get get on there and again be part of an organisation that made changes within, you know, for our profession. Um, three years down the line, I then became president-elect and then um, obviously led on then to president, which I finished in November 2020. Um, not quite sure what I'm going to do after that. Seven years of being on exec and then um, I'm, I'm, I might be a little bit tired, but I think it's, it's going to leave a, a big gaping hole, that's for sure, yeah. I'm sure you'll find something to fill it because you're so active. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you as well, during your your time where you've been involved with BSDHT, what do you feel have been the biggest learning curves? It's, oh gosh, learning curves. Um, Do you know, I I don't know. I think it's possibly... um, making other people or getting other people to understand what we do. Um, I think there's a, and also that our members, they, they all want something slightly different from us. Um, and what I think that they want might not be what they're actually looking for. So there are some people that are quite happy to be members and they just want to, you know, do CPD. Then there are other people that will really want to get involved. Um, and it's, knowing how to to manage that and also to get our point across which is why this is so fantastic because um so you know we know Annette and I know how much work is done at exec level but sometimes we're not very good at shouting about it and telling people about it so they there's still I think a misconception that we are here representing hygienists when in fact we are a hygiene and therapy organization um, and we do an awful lot for both um, and one of the things that I was thinking about the other day is our executive team there are eight clinicians around that table five of them are registered dental therapists um, our, our directors there's four of us and it's split 50 50 hygienist and therapist so I think get getting that message across as well that we are an organization that is representing both hygienists and therapists is really important to me and I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that um that I I'm seeing at the moment yeah thank you so much Julie for just sharing all that you have just shared with us I'd just like to now move on to you Annette and for your disclosure for the podcast would you say you are a fully empowered hygienist so I've therapist. just been sat. I've just been sat making notes, listening to Julie's. I don't like going second. It's <laughs> <laughs> not oh, nice. Sorry, Have I stolen your thunder? Um, uh, no, not at all. I'm just like, okay, all right. Where do I go now? Um, right. Am I fully empowered? Um, yes, I do. I do believe I am because I have the society behind me. That's the only reason why. Um, and and that and obviously, I think um, you know, an, an element of 
passion for what you do as well. Um, I fell out of love with the industry, um, nearly left the industry. Um, and obviously, if I wasn't part of the society and had the people around me at the time, then I wouldn't be in dentistry anymore. It's that simple. Um, am I fully empowered? Yes, I am. But I'm nowhere near finished where I want to go with my journey in um, and obviously with the support of society and, and members and, and everybody else that wants to move forward with the profession. Um, then that's what I'm thriving on right now. And Annette, you also have had a very varied career path from, you know, the standard hygienist and therapist working in practice. You've taken that bold step out and, you know, reading your bio and speaking to you as well. It's so intriguing. So do you mind sharing with myself and the listeners a bit more about what you're currently doing or what your working week looks like? Um, oh, my working week. I, you don't want to know. Literally, I don't sleep. Um, I eat on the go now. Um, so I'm not after sympathy. I love it. I'm actually buzzing right now with all the opportunities that are getting thrown at me uh, that I can then move forward for the profession. So that's what's exciting me more than anything. What is your working week like? Because you have your own facial aesthetic clinic. Am I right? Right. Okay. Yes, I do. I um, yes. Yeah, so I do facial aesthetics alongside dentistry. And at first, I kind of thought, you know what, this is for me. I'm going to do facial aesthetics instead of dentistry. I quickly learned, um, having six to eight months out of um, the dental arena and going into dental sales, that I, I needed to be in clinic. I, I love treating dental patients, and they they are very different to, to aesthetic patients. But then obviously they start to link together, and I've seen that more and more. Um, I think the advantage that I have as a clinician is that you're seeing people on a regular basis as well. Um, and it, more than anything, it's a relationship that you have with your patients. No matter what it is that you're doing for a patient, if you have that rapport with them, um, and obviously you have the knowledge behind something that's going to help them, then that's that's what makes the difference. Um, so my working week at the minute, I have two clinical dental days. That's on a Monday and a Friday. Monday is primarily therapy um, and Friday is primarily hygiene. Um, within those clinics, I do offer facial aesthetic treatments as well. But the majority of those are done from my own clinic, um, which I have, um, which is a, you know, a room that I've set up. Um, I'm in the process of setting up my own um, clinic and um, indeed a um, training establishment as well uh, because I have the support of um, Medifex, um, I think I'm okay to say that. Um, now it's just been announced. Um, and uh, so, yes, I'm, their, I'm one of their trainers. So there's three or four of us on board. Um, very excited because we've just kind of won um, the tender for Galderma, which um, five years ago I went to go and do a course with Galderma, sat around a table, filled in the registration, and they sent me away and said, you can't do this, you're just a therapist, you're just a hygienist, you can't do this course. So the last week for me has been really emotive to kind of get to this point now. Um, I'm being trained by Galderma. Obviously, uh, they recognise the profession. Medifex are now happy to kind of talk about us as professionals and, and, and able to do the procedures, which we've all been saying for a long, long time. Um, and obviously, I think that has come from more recognition of the role uh, which is going bouncing right back to you know the, what we've just been talking about and the society and increasing PR, what we do on a daily basis, uh, what our members can do, what we're doing in, in the profession, um, and so yeah, it's a really exciting point for myself at the moment and and all our members. The opportunities are going to be incredible. Well, congratulations and thank you because this is great news, um, and thank you both for sharing a bit about your career path because. 
it allows, I think, the listeners to understand why you are both empowered and what, you're, what you've done and what you're doing now. And how did you get involved with the BSDHT, Annette? Um, so I, I won't lie. I, um, I, so I, even, I've been in dentistry as a dental nurse for two or three years and I was working alongside a hygienist and I was like, oh, you know, I can do that. <laughs> Literally, as you are when you're like 70, I can do that. What did you do to do that? Literally, that's how, that's how it came about. No, I love teeth, but that's how it came about, that conversation. I thought, you know, I really want to do that. So what else can you do? Um, and, you know, the hygienist and I had a good relationship. Um, I'm still friends with her now. And anyway, I went off to university. Um, I can remember having my first interview at the University of Leeds, being in dentistry for five years prior to that. And I'd gone for an interview at the university. This I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, well, I am a little bit. One of the questions that I got asked in front of the whole board of people was, what is it about a therapist role that excites you? And I sat there. For anyone I'd gone for an interview for, for the hygiene and therapy, um, you know, qualification. And I was like, um, genuinely, genuinely don't know what a therapist does. And this is what I said at my interview stage. So that, to me, was a big eye-opener that obviously, you know, five, six years into dentistry, I've worked in a dental practice every day as a dental nurse, alongside dentists, alongside hygienists, and that role wasn't there. Um, so obviously, I went to university, and that, that empowered me then, um, straight away, because I thought, well, the, all these things that we can do, when I started to research, I was like, what, what why, you know, you sort of think, why aren't we getting utilised? Why aren't they getting utilised? Uh, well, when I qualify, I'm going to do this, and, I'm gonna do that. and then it kind of sowed the seed in. Um, and exactly that happened. So I had a, a group of tutors around me, one of which was heavily involved with the BSDHT. Um, and she literally said, you are signing up today. And I was like, I don't even know, like, what, what, what is it? She's just sign up. You won't regret it. Went to my first regional group. Um, and as I said, you know, I first looked around at my very first regional group and I was like, what is going on? Um, and this is my opinion again. What is going on? Where, where are all the students where is everybody that's graduated last year? Um, you know, what what is going on? N not in a disrespectful way. There was a lot of people there with a lot of experience to share. And I learned a lot, a hell of a lot. Um, but you know, it was it was um it was my first regional group meeting and I was like, what is going on? Big eye opener for me. Um, Elaine Tillin was there, so it's funny how you mentioned her name today. I was like, when she spoke, like literally the room was just glued on her. Um, really inspirational lady. Um, and it just went from there, really. I was like, right, what can I do to get more involved? Um, I started talking about, well, seeing that obviously there wasn't much on Facebook and social media. Um, and at the time, it was kind of, that's when it was just all kicking off. I said, you guys need to get out there. We can get younger members in. We can do this. I've obviously engaged you know um it doesn't matter about the age just engage new members that's what we need to do um and it kind of just went from there really so yeah and you've never looked back never looked never what i wouldn't change a thing at all um i probably put my you know my put put my foot in it a few times but that's because i just <laughs> say for i think sometimes um but that's me that i wear my heart on my sleeve um i'm very naive sometimes when I say well why can't we just do it like this and I've learned that a lot over exec over the last few years Julie would probably say I used to come in and say I think we should do this this and this and everyone would be like mm, okay <laughs> it's not that easy so I've actually learned you know again 
about the work that we're doing, um, it, it can, as a, as a member, it can think, well, why can't we just do it this way? Um, I, I still get like that now, um, but it, it is very, very, very frustrating when you're changing things, um, legislations and everything else that's going on. And so I'm still learning a hell of a lot along the way. But that's so great to hear that as well, that you feel that you can be so honest within the exec committee. Oh, yes. And yeah. question things and you're in a safe environment. And that I have is exactly... my hands a lot. <laughs> they all do. But that's just great to hear, you know, that... And as well for listeners, you know, if you feel that you don't have as much experience as maybe other exec members, that's fine. And that's great because you can still be part of it and you will learn so much, I'm sure, Annette, Mm -hmm. as you would agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So the the honesty is exactly what the Smile Revolution podcast Mm -hmm. is about because people learn from that, you know, and that's, you know, it's so true. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Now, I just want to move on now to the work of the BSDHT. I know you work, all of you, tirelessly behind the scenes and not necessarily everyone and all the members know exactly what you're working on. And I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to just highlight some of the work that you're doing behind the scenes. So Julie, if I could start with yourself about what the BSDHT are currently doing to advance dental care within Health Education England. I'd be really grateful if you could expand on that a bit. Well, I mean, Advancing Dental Care or ADC um, is a, it's a kind of a project from Health Education England. Um, and they've been looking at the, the workforce or the future workforce and the, the, the training and the educational side of it so that... Um, in the future, they look. They want to make sure that dental care that's provided to patients is the right type of care, um, and it kind of comes down to the fact that skill mix. Everybody agrees that skill mix is the way forward. Um, unfortunately, there you know there is still an issue with with the contract reform and working within the NHS and dental hygienists and dental therapists having their hands tied and not being able to do as much as they they want to do and this is part of what the um, ADC is is trying to achieve so there's lots of facets to it so there's research going into the scope of practice um, and whilst BSHT officially isn't doing that that part of it we do have Sarah Murray who's our honorary secretary and she has been um, going to the meetings about that and from that we, we discuss it at, at exec and what we want from scope of practice. Um, from our point of view, there are so many educational courses now, post-grad courses for hygienists and therapists, yeah. and the scope doesn't open it up for them to utilise as mm-hmm. much of the skills as they should do. So, you know, things need to change. And having somebody who is involved in exec on that kind of panel Absolutely. puts our put managers you know puts our, our point across mm. um and um focuses on on what we should be doing um so we, we've been kind of working with them in, in the in different different facets it has gone a little bit quiet now mm-hmm. um because there are there are lots of other changes occurring um other things that we've been doing is looking at with the the cqc when the new um the latest publication with regards to 
at um, care homes. We have a, we have quite a few members that actually have businesses that go into care homes um, yeah. and teach staff. Some will actually go through to patients uh, or, or to the, the residents and um, help brush their teeth and, and deal with that. So we, we have a, a lot of our members that are, are involved in that side of it as well. Um, but it's it's being on the, the or around the table, being able to represent hygienists and therapists yeah. so that it isn't all dentist focused. Um, oh. And there is a, a move towards skill mix, but unfortunately at the moment the opportunities are not there to fully utilize it and yeah. that's what we that's what we're trying to to challenge and trying to break down um with the, with these things that are, are occurring at the moment now watch this space hopefully yeah but i mean as annette said within the dentist world or dentistry world or even the medical world things move so slowly because all of us can say well why can't we just do this you know yeah. surely that and unfortunately, sometimes it takes legislation to make the changes. Mm. Sometimes it's cultural. And I, I do believe with uh, the utilisation of um, therapists, there's there's a, a big culture of um, practice owners that still don't understand what a dental therapist can do. And that's Absolutely. part of our job to, to to promote it and show what they can do Um and and also, you, you use the word empower. That's exactly what we want to. We want to empower dental hygienists and therapists to go to these practice owners and say, this is what I can do. This is how I can change your business. Because at the end of the day, the day, it's a business. So you can't just go in there with a clinical reason. There's got to be a business case towards it as well. So 100%. If, yeah, because, you know, bottom line is they've got to make money. Yeah. Um. So empowering our members to go into those practices and you know say to that practice owner this is what I can do for you let's give it a go yeah um, and, I, and that's I, what I'm that's what I'm excited about and that's what Annette to be honest brings to to the table I mean she talks about being ex an exec and and you know she she comes up with some fantastic ideas and and it does make us think and we go yeah, I, I, yeah. Why, why can't we do that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so we we need people with all experiences um, within our society on exec, on council, and it is a space where people can bring their their ideas to the table. Sometimes we go, yeah, it's not going to work. You know, we've tried that, done it. And other times, it makes us think, yeah. and it's that little seed that then can grow and, and hopefully make the changes. Yeah. And essentially going back to what you were saying, you know, encouraging therapists, encouraging hygienists to share their skill mix, their therapy skill mix mm. within their clinical settings and really make other dentists aware fully of the skill set. I mean, I speak to so many dentists that work with therapists that still don't fully understand exactly what their therapist does. <laughs> I know, it's does. ridiculous, isn't it? I know, I know. If we get to reach these dentists that are representing um, the dental profession on these boards and you've not just got... BSDHT representing hygienists and therapists, but you've also got dentists backing yeah. us because they feel yeah. so passionate about what we do. We've yes. got two spokespeople at this table essentially yeah. stim stimulating the change. So yes. 
yeah. everybody listeners <laughs> go talk to your dentist your principal yeah. share the world yeah. thanks for but sharing I if I can just interject, I don't think you should just stop there as well. Like I think across all the industries, across all professions, across the whole of healthcare, if we collaborate more and people recognise, you know, we're breaking down barriers and improving what the patient gets out of each visit everywhere because we're then collaborating and talking about their plan or, you know, something that we found, um, you know, the systemic you know, when, when you have someone that's systemically presenting with uh, diabetes, and we see that first, um, yeah. you know, or um, lesions in the lesions in the mouth that we're referring. To. So it is, it is, it's full collaboration um, for across the healthcare board, in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely, and it's initiating that talk, and we can c- become quite complacent in our work. You know, going in every day, you know, get very busy, and you're limited of time, but allocating just a small amount of time to maybe make one phone call mm-hmm. may, and facilitating yeah. that conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for I that. I think both, both Annette and I have, um, I know Annette has um, referred somebody that um, it turned out to be a, a malignant lesion. Um, and I've certainly referred somebody that had a, a malignant lesion as well. So it, it, it's it, it's such an important role that we have um, and I think sometimes it is a forgotten part of our job from other professionals. So we need to shout out about it. Yeah. And now Annette moving on to you I know you've been involved in the first miles um, through the BSDHT can you speak a bit more about that and what the first miles is all about? Um, well, the first miles is absolutely fabulous for us to kind of um, do exactly that. We've just mentioned kind of, kind of mixing and collaborating with the profession and, and other people in the profession. But first miles does that, but it's also then bringing in the public as well from a, a really important aspect. So we obviously see a lot in the in the news about UK and um, children going under GA for just extractions. It's absolutely ridiculous and hideous. Um, and obviously, you know, sugar's always in the news. Um, so obviously th- this was kind of put in place uh, about five years ago and um, we started kind of um, giving our members because it was something that we all we're all been doing it with you know we, we, a lot of our members and, and non-members are out there doing these these events um, but obviously when you're doing something collaboratively together and you make a shout about it and that's where we, you get more uh, more involvement and that's why obviously each year it's grown and we get more support from from different um, companies is um, and people that can help with samples and getting that getting that message across more and more members getting involved and that's what it's about um, we, you know, this year and last year, and I think the year before, we were starting to get more and more schools actually approaching the society and our members and non-members. So schools are approaching us as a profession and saying we have um, a, a group of students, um, you know, one in particular that stuck out to me was last year and that was in um, London. Um, and I and a couple of colleagues did this when it was a massive school. Um, but they had a huge, huge rate of um um, sickness um, at, at the um, at the school and the registration uh, absence because of tooth decay. Um, so obviously, when they have to obviously ring in and say why they're off, it was because of the tooth decay. They're either at the hospital having the teeth out, yeah. or they've got toothache and they're going to the dentist, or they're in agony and they can't come to school. Um, so that was for me. That was a really, really 
shocking because you do yeah, yeah it was like a, you know you're in this bubble you've got kids yourself you brush their teeth you think it's normal they go to nannies they don't brush teeth you tell them off they come back you know you, you, this is but i mean i've been presented and i'm sure other people have that have done these things with kids with no toothbrush you know they, they don't they don't know how to brush the teeth um so you do take it for granted that this is something that everybody has and it's normal so that was a big eye-opener for me personally and quite emotional as well when you know these kids are dying to learn it and they love it they're so excited when you're there um it's great that schools are now approaching the bsdht asking for first miles yeah Yeah. exactly and that's you know down to i guess press um social media and the previous activity through the members going out and representing yeah, exactly. the BSDHT through First Miles. That yeah, First and Miles we like to be. kind of think that obviously the fact that we're doing it all together, it, it makes it uh, more memorable. So, yeah, we, you know, we, we know we should be brushing our teeth every day, but by doing it on, on one day, everybody coming together or at least one month, you know, like the National Smile Month, everybody knows this. Um, and I think that's what has more clout because I know there's people out there that aren't members that are going to do this thing, but that's what we, you know, as, join us. Let's just do it together because yeah. then we can get we can hit more more children. We can you know decrease this this ever growing um, this ever growing rate that we keep reading and hearing about. Um, and it is a voluntary thing, um, and you do you know you do get a lot out. You from a personal perspective you get so much from it it's so heartwarming it's you know even though you know definitely agree with that for hygienists and therapists that wish to get involved who should they contact Um, if they go go onto the website um there's a section there for first miles um and they can either speak to myself or sharon um so it's social media at bsdht.org or they can have um, inquiries at bsdht.org. Uh, but as I say, it's all online and they can literally just register their interest for the next year. All we ask is that you obviously, um, you can source the schools yourself, which is obviously if you've got some that you know you want to get into, or occasionally we obviously have schools like this year, we're putting posts out on social media because we've been approached by schools looking for members in that area and it worked that way. Um, so if you log your interest at, you know, at an early stage, then we can maybe find somewhere for you if, you, if you're not too, you know, if you can't find anywhere yourself. Yeah, and I'd like to say that I was involved with it as well. And I really felt, like you said, Annette, very proud that I was doing it with other colleagues, although maybe not directly with other colleagues, but knowing that others are doing the yeah. same activities, although you can make the lesson plan whatever you want to make it. And that's great yeah. because, you know, you have the freedom to do that. But having the support and the letter from the BSDHT endorsing what we're doing to support what we're doing really does make you feel very much part of something, which yeah. you know, is really heartwarming. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And I strongly encourage all listeners to get involved because it really is great and lots of fun. I'd just, just like to say a bit of a funny story, though. This this year, um, I, I thought I'd be doing like four to seven-year-olds in this particular school. I did three schools. And my last school that I did, I took my dental nurse along. She was really keen to come along. So we went together. Um, and the teacher came in and brought in a load of um, 12 and 13-year-olds. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
Um, I think there was a bit of a miscommunication, and it was it was great. But you know what? They, they were they they were going was a lot going through appliances or wanted to know about braces, or so it kind of opened the door with with you know fixed appliances and things. But you can imagine my face. I was expecting some nice little cute four to seven year olds and in oh, walks. My lesson plan isn't really oh, aimed at you. Oh. I had Buddy the toothbrushing elf on the screen. I was like, yeah, Buddy's gone. Buddy's Do gone. Time out for Buddy. So, oh, brilliant! Yeah, and from in, you know those things that I've done over the years have grown my confidence in any setting as well. So doing something like that and being thrown on the spot, if you have an altercation with a colleague at work and you you know you're right about something, it does it, it, it empowerment. It empowers you that little bit more doing something else to do with the industry. Out of as well your comfort zone, absolutely. <laughs> now, Julie, moving on to um, the activities of Bangor in Wales, could you speak a bit more about that for the listeners to understand what you're working on there? Yeah, well, well, I'm not. I, I'm no longer working on it, but um, BSHT um, was involved in three workshops at the beginning of the year. Um, we were invited by the Chief Dental Officer of Wales along with other organisations. So, uh, you know, I, I will do a shout out to um, BADT, um, Society of British Dental Nurses and the British Association of Dental Nurses. Um, we were all involved in it because they are setting up, because of the the, the Welsh government policy for um, a healthier Wales, it's focusing on prevention and they want to uh, enrich the well-being, capability and engagement of um, the profession and so it can deliver a much more preventive um, approach to dentistry for the the, the Welsh population. Right. So they're setting up an all Wales faculty um, of dental or DCPs in the University of Bangor um, School of Health Sciences um, and they're looking at lifelong learning skills for DCPs but what we what we were we were kind of given a brief to discuss if we had a blank canvas, how would we change things? And one of the most exciting things about it was that they were open to anything. And we spoke a lot about the use of dental nurses and different roles in which dental nurses can be um, utilised. Um, and again, you come back to empowerment. It is about empowering those individuals to, to be able to um, gain qualifications to go out into the community to deliver that message of prevention yeah. um, and um, Fiona Elwood and Fiona Sandham um, are heavily involved in in the, in the setting up of, of this and the curriculum um, and working with this so yes it she had, a, had a, I have to say you know a small part to play in it but I just think it's so exciting that People are thinking outside the box, um, and that's what I love about our profession: is that we are here to break down barriers. Um, and I think in Wales, they are going to set up something that is very exciting, very new, um, and I hope that the rest of the the UK kind of takes on board and and looks at what they can possibly do in the future Absolutely. Um, by utilising the skills that are already there. But in a different way. Um, I so, guess, as, sorry, as a society, no, no, no. being involved in these new, newer concepts or startups or mm, you know yeah. things that they're trialing sets the society in a place 
to maybe start things in other areas and with their experience and what they've seen or the exec have seen and experienced from being involved, you can take that on to something else. It's yeah. invaluable. Yeah, I, I think as the, the more I do this job and the more I'm staying in this, I mean, you know, I've been qualified for, for over 30 years now and I see the changes and I see the opportunities that are out there for people Um and I just want people to grab it and and kind of run with it. Um, there's nothing more that I that I love than than seeing somebody who's got potential to actually meet that potential. Um, and I would like to hope. I mean, you know, Annette has said about it that the society helps people do that. Um, yeah. We we some of the the um, projects that we have. I'm I'm not qualified to do you know a lot of these things. Just because I'm president doesn't mean to say that I should do everything. Um, I'm very much in favour of putting the right person in the right job. So having you know some of the projects that we've got on, it's like we're working with um, delivering better oral health. There's a new um, revised version coming out. So we've got some people now doing dental caries, periodontal. Um, oral cancer, um, to surface loss. And we've chosen people, BSDHT members, who are involved in those kind of areas and has the experience in those areas to get involved in those projects. And that's what I love about the society. It, we're not trying to hold it all in exec. We're not trying to hold it all in council. We're looking out to our members and utilising the the strengths and the, the qualifications that they have. So that's what I love about the society is that we are involving, hopefully, we're involving as many people as we can, not just holding it all to ourselves. That's so great to hear and encouraging for the listeners, for anything maybe they're interested in, to write into you yeah, to absolutely. say, look, I have an, an area of interest. Yeah. Is there anything I can help yeah. with with what you're working on? Yeah, I, w- I would love that. That I think, you know, that the bigger pool that we have, the, the better we can deliver things um, and, and that would be fantastic. And I think Annette will be speaking a little bit later about um, something that, that's coming. We're, we're opening up um, the society to. And that's another exciting opportunity, I think, for people and members. Yeah. Listeners, listeners, write in. What's your mm. area of interest that you yes. may like to explore more? The BSDHT, yes, I'm sure, will be able to utilise skill set yeah. in moving yeah, things forward. Yeah, That's really absolutely. exciting, though, to hear that. Absolutely. And Annette, can you, I just ask you a bit more about the indemnity that's obviously been set up through BSDH, BSDHT, what that offers specifically for the members in comparison to another indemnifier? Um, I'm a little uncomfortable with doing a comparison of it. What I would recommend anybody to do is just do a little bit of research into indemnity in general um, and make sure that you um, do your research behind these sort of things. Uh, We've built a policy of hygienists and therapists from hygienists and therapists. So we've looked, we've stripped it back to bone and we've worked with an indemnity provider to say, look, this is what we want to do. Um, this is what's been holding us back um, and this is the sort of policy we want for our members and that's what we implemented under the guidance of obviously people that know a lot more about risks and indemnity and everything else Um, because it 
Um, it's a tough one. Obviously, the, 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 the ones out there that everybody knows, there's the ones out there that I literally, as soon as I left university, they gave me the piece of paper, I signed it, I was like, yeah, okay, right, I'm insured. And it's kind of breaking down, um, not breaking down, but it's making other people aware, uh, yeah. empowering yeah. other people to look into exactly what it is when it comes to indemnity and making sure it's covering them. Um, and covering them for everything that they can do. Obviously, we've already been talking about this already today, that that people kind of get held back because of certain situations or because of opinions, whether it being in their work practice or when they look into things themselves. Um, but when it comes to indemnity, if you are qualified and competent to do something, you should be covered for that. And that is something that I know not all providers, you know, do provide because I've had that from experience. I've, I've, I've got qualification, could do something. So I went to my indemnity provider, like you do your insurance, you, you know, exactly the same. And, and they couldn't cover you for it. Well, well, why? I've got my certificate. I can do this. I'm competent. I'm confident. Why can't I do it? And I think that's where our policy is different. If you... If you can do something, we will support you as, as a member for doing that under the policy um, and under guidance from our brokers as well. So obviously everything holds the risk. We'll chat to you about the cost of things. Um, but it's a policy that is tailored by, by us, by hygienists and therapists, but tailored to you and your working lifestyle. And that's what's important. So listeners, if, there, if you are interested in exploring being indemnified for another indemnified, for you, those of you that don't know, obviously the BSDHT, if you're a member, you are entitled. You do have to maintain your, obviously, your membership. You are, uh, as a, uh, is that correct? That's, That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can get a quote without being a member. So you don't... You can. Yeah, but you have to be a member to then take, take out the, the insurance. Yeah. That's, thanks for the yeah. clarification. Mm. So it's good to explore. And like you quite rightly said, Annette, I do your own due diligence and understand fully what which each indemnifier does offer and what's right for you but it's nice to know exactly. that hygienists and therapists obviously have been involved specifically with this um with this um indemnity thank you for that and julie i know you the bsdht and you're you're quite involved with the gdc at the moment can you just expand on that and what your role is within working with the GDC um, in your capacity as the president at the moment? Yeah, I mean, the GDC um, have quite a few meetings a year uh, and invites lots of stakeholders. So you have um, the lots of organisations, dental organisations, you have dental um, protections or indemnity. Um, and, you know, it, it, it is wide ranging. Um, and we get involved um, with a lot of these these talks. Some have been about the complaints system. Um, there's 28 organisations that come together and the GDC are, are kind of hosting it, but they're not pushing it. Um, one of the, the issues has always been with, with the fitness to practice cases that people were having complaints, they're now called concerns, or they, the GDC were, were informed of these concerns or complaints and it was taken an awful long time for things to, to move forward. So we've had lots of conversations with the GDC and they've now increased the number of um, case examiners and it has reduced the number of cases of um, the fitness to practice. Also, um, what they're 
doing an awful lot more of now is if they get a complaint or concern in, they will quite often they'll obviously look at it and quite often they will then go back to that person and say, have you gone back to the dental practice and discussed it with them? Because obviously, you know, it's much better to to deal with the uh, concern at the lowest level, which is at Absolutely. the practice level. Um, so they they are much more mindful of doing that now. And things are changing. It's not perfect. It's definitely not perfect. Um, things are definitely changing from that. And I think that, you know, that's a lot to do with the conversations that they've been having with the stakeholders. And that's reassuring uh, for us practitioners that that is what is encouraged. Yeah, and I, I, I there's, there's definitely um, a fear from undergraduates when they they qualify there's a a fear of the GDC and we are trying our best now to to null that a little bit because if you are doing your job as you should be the chances of you having a a complaint or a concern is is you know is very low so and also if you can deal if your practice has a a system where it can be dealt with concerns can be dealt with at practice level, again, that's the best thing to do. And not to take a complaint from a, a patient and, and get upset by it, but look at it. And sometimes we learn by these things. You Absolutely. know, we don't always get things right. Um, and sometimes patients have a valid valid reason for saying what they're, they're saying. And as long as it's handled well, the majority of patients won't take that further. Um, the other thing that uh, I was involved is in, in January, they, the GDC had a, a panel discussion in Birmingham and the audience, there was 150 dental professionals in the audience from um, all walks of dental life. Um, and there was also a, a public panel and there were four of us on stage at this one point and it was to do with skill mix. And one of the things I was then able to to bring to the table and to, to speak to all that audience, and that was from those that worked in education, those were that worked for other um, dental organisations. I was able to talk about what BSHT wants and about skill mix and about the need to break these barriers and start allowing dental therapists to be working more effectively in practices. Right. Um, and and that you know that that's what we're trying to do at the moment so I was able to to open that discussion up to so many others and one of the biggest things as well is the fact that I mean we we talked again about the culture where the dentists know what a therapist does yeah a lot of universities now that are integrating their their therapy and their BDS students Liverpool's one Plymouth is one there is you know there are others around the country um and that helps because if you're working side by side with somebody, you get yeah. to know what they're, you know, what what they can do, um, and how you can utilize their skills. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 happening, but it's just very slowly happening. It's great to know you're at these meetings, yes. and obviously the conversation is spread amongst the table and up and facilitating yes. further conversations about yeah. mix of skill set. Yes, because we, we've also, there's a, another association, Association of um, Dental Groups, ADG, and they um, are a group of corporates and um, dental practices, group practices, and BSHG were invited to speak with them. And so I, I spoke with them and 
they want to know how they can utilize their therapists. So there are practices out there, there are corporates out there that do want to work well with therapists, but it's the system at the moment that's just not allowing it to, to be opened up as much as it should be. Continuing these conversations and your presence within these meetings yes. is facilitating the change because of yes. the yeah. mindset is gradually changing and hopefully then in these importing meetings, the time yeah. for it will be time to make the exactly. changes will take place. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know moving on now, this is it moves on quite perfectly at this time in the podcast, you know, to speak about ambassadors and what the BSDHT are doing to encourage ambassadors. Can you speak a bit more about that, Annette? Okay, so absolutely. I'm very excited about this bit in particular. Um, so what we've just been discussing, all these avenues, all these meetings, everything that's going on, um, there's only so many of us that sit around the table on exec, as Julie's already touched on this already. We can't do it all, nor should we, um, nor do we want to, because there are people out there, why reinvent the wheel? There are people out there already ploughing for the same things. Uh, they've probably got some really good contacts and networks from doing what they're doing. Um, and we want to kind of bring them on board and get them get them yeah, to do it. I so should say. Why, why do it all again? Um, and that's what it's about. So the ambassador programme is to kind of open up the society and encourage new people to kind of come in get more involved tell us what their interests are yeah. um show us their ethos um you know and 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 just work with us to to build um both public perception um and obviously professional perception and everything that we've just been talking about over the last uh, you know last minutes or so since we started this podcast and it's exactly that it's empowering other people um it's empowering the profession um it's empowering the industry um and it's 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 shouting from the rooftops that this is what we can do and this is how we're going to do it everybody has a different way of working everybody's going to bring something different to the table and that's where it gets really really exciting because you get lots of different personalities um and then the society really becomes like like you just mentioned exactly change you know you have those conversations i have them um you know someone brings something to the table and you it's that awkward moment tumbleweed like oh really but you know what if if we think we can do it then we will, but we need the ideas to keep coming in. Um, and I'm not as fresh as I used to be, so I need some new fresh ones to be, and keep and it, me on my toes because key, it's exactly that, you know. Yeah. Then you, you bounce off each other and that's that's how things move forward. And ambassadors listening, potential future ambassadors, who should they get in contact with? So the deadline is actually oh. 31st of July, um, <gasps> so it is pending. Um, uh, so we, but obviously it's out on there on social media. We just want them to send um, a video clip to us. So it doesn't have, it can be 10, 20 seconds video clip about why they should be an ambassador for BSDHT and what they can bring or what they would like to bring. Um, if someone doesn't want to do a video, then obviously just drop an email to Sharon or myself, social media or inquiries at bsdht.org dot uk and uh would love to hear from you because i know videos isn't everybody's cup of tea it's not mine um I, i'm getting there uh, because it is the way forward but no it, that we don't want that to impede anyone from not doing it so just get in touch if you want to get involved and if the deadline has passed still get in touch because we, we would love to hear from you right i'm so pleased to hear that because 
I was going to say, I'm not sure this podcast is going to be released by the 31st of July. But well, still get in touch yeah, and don't, to in touch. Yeah, don't miss out on this fabulous opportunity of being part of change. And if change is going to take place, you need, and we all need to continue working as a group with an umbrella over us, such as the BSDHT, giving us the kudos to be able to do that. And also the BSDHT, as you've heard through this podcast recording this evening, is connected with the key movers and shakers within our profession. So who better to be associated with for the change? And I know as well, and what you're encouraging through this is that through our previous conversations, the membership is growing, which is great to hear. Um, through encouraging more people to to get involved through ambassador, um, the ambassador program, and also Julie, going back to what you were saying earlier, if you have an interest, get in contact. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because you will utilise people yes. outside of exec to mm. fill certain roles. Now we are coming to the end of the podcast recording, but I just want to quickly ask you. We haven't been able to cover everything of all the work that you're working on, but any hints or tips for what's coming next or anything that you're working on in the pipeline? Well, I think we, we should mention the oral health conference that's happening in um, in Wales in November, 22nd, 23rd of November. Um, <laughs> the Generation Gain Challenges and Opportunities. Ooh. So, um, you know, you can still book online um, the 9th of September Um, is the end of the early bird and also for those budding um, researchers or want to put a a poster in you can submit an extract extract abstract gosh um, by the 13th of September just go online um, and you'll see everything on our website um, and the details, the programmes up there and what to do for the the, comp- the the poster competition. There is a prize for the poster competition. Ooh. So it's, you know, it's it's a good old thing. So those newly um, new graduates that have already done their dissertation and a lot of them have already done posters, then there's not a lot of work for them to do, but it would be fantastic for them to show off a little bit um, at our conference. Absolutely. So, um, You're in the perfect place. You've done the work. Send yes. it in. Don't think twice about it, right, Annette? I know Annette would agree. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and now finally we are at the Smile Revolution Fire Round. So, Annette, (laughs) can I ask you first? To all newly qualified hygienists and therapists, what advice would you give them? Um... My thing is to 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 stand your ground, to hold your own, to get to get a network of people around you um, that are, which is exactly what I did with the society. But if you know, if that's not you, just get people around you um, and get the knowledge to back up what it is that you're going to do. Um, I've worked in uh, practices where um, you know they swallow you up. You get you get you're in four walls, four wall syndrome. Um, and I think more than anything just just have the backing and have the confidence to, to speak out if you're not comfortable with something you shouldn't be doing it you've got a professional registration um you know some of them were dental nurses before so we we're already familiar with that but some people weren't so you have a professional registration and if you're not happy with something then don't do it uh, that's my advice um but obviously have have the backing behind you as well because it can be quite isolating 
And Julie, to all qualified hygienists and therapists that have been working for many years that are maybe looking for another direction to explore, what advice would you give them? Do you know, there's so much out there now. Um, When I qualified, really, all you could do was be a dental hygienist, you know, as qualifying as a dental hygienist. Um, Now, there's so much more. There's so many more post-grad qualifications. Um, So you can do MSc Perio, you can do MSc um, Dental Public Health. Um, You've got the restorative courses that are out there. Um, There's a lot, you know, a lot more opportunities, I think, that are available to those that are newly qualified now or the the older um, cohort. I was down at a careers office, um, careers day down in in Portsmouth University, and there's a lot more people now setting up their own businesses as well. Um, And again, that was something we couldn't even do when I first qualified because, you know, as a a hygienist, you just weren't allowed to. It was only a dentist that, that could do that. So there's so many more things now that you can do, um, staying within the, the industry or like Annette has done, a lot of people now are looking to stay in the industry, but also so do that part time and then part time doing facial aesthetics. Um, so there's an opportunity out there for, for people to do to do that. Um, and I'll recommend, you know, Annette's courses. Go on Annette's courses. <laughs> well, <Wow. laughs> yeah. you've also got I mean, you've got other people as well doing um, first aid training um, and taking that out. Um, there, there are other people doing um, teaching degrees. And, you know, so there's there's more to it than just staying in clinic. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are some people that love that. And I, you know, I, I do two and a half days, uh, you know, a week myself. Um, and I love it. And I love the interaction with the patients. I love seeing the changes that the patients um, make. I love the stories that the patients have, yeah. you know, and, and getting involved to a certain degree in their, you know, being part of their lives to a certain degree. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to remain clinical. But for those that have an, you know, a hankering to do something else, possibly get involved with your society, whether it's at a regional level or at a national level. Um, so I, I just think there's, there's, there's so many opportunities. I now. think we're at a really exciting point. Mm. Sorry to interject, but it's, yeah, no, no. it's come into my head. We can literally build the industry around us. That's what we're at at I the minute. I totally agree. You know, we, we've got, if you're doing a job that you love, then it's not a job anymore. Um, if, if you, if you know, we see it on the forums, we see people are unhappy, we see people have, mm. have had a lot of stuff that's gone on to them. Um, and, there's so like Julie's just mentioned all of those pathways are different pathways that we that you can move on to so a job isn't a job if you love what you're doing and that sounds really corny but this industry you really you know I nearly left I know others are out there doing the same don't you know you can build this industry around you and 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 empower others and carry on and that's my advice as well so what is your mantra oh I love my mantra you know it that's why you've asked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my mantra is get ready for this one everyone get a cup of tea We're ready the power of opportunity is in conversation exactly that you pick up the phone you contact us there's an opportunity there you're speaking to someone you're networking you're at an event there's an opportunity there the power of opportunity is in a conversation remember that listeners <laughs> and julie what is your mantra 
Well, mine, I think it probably does go back to my military days. And those that um, I taught will probably roll their eyes when they hear, hear me saying it. But it hasn't really changed. Mine is standards. Um, oh, gosh. Standards. Standards. Set them. Don't just follow them. And and for me, it, it is about that. It's it's having that high standard that you want other people to to take forward with you, um, and not just not just settle. If you think that something needs to change, then then make those changes. And I think that is such a lovely way to end the podcast, talking about standards as well, because that is the element and the key of everything that we're doing, setting high standards, reaching the, increasing the bar, increasing the level of what we're doing to move our profession forward. So thank you both so much this evening for your time, your very valuable time and sharing so much of all your hard work of what the BSDH2 are doing for our profession. And thank you both of you for all you are doing along with the rest of Exec and other members of the BSDHT in the regional groups to support our profession. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it and leave a review. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. Don't forget to take advantage of the incredible 50% off subscriber offer on the special training at the Dense Blycerona Academy on the 27th of March 2020. Visit densepliceronacom forward slash smarrevolution and enter the promo code SMAL5 when you book. And lastly, don't forget to like subscribe and follow the Smile Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comment section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smile Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. Thanks so much for joining me and being part of the Smile Revolution. <laughs>